Good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the incredible privilege, who is actually up here today. Bye, babe. Nice, nice to see you. Uh, we get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us today, we want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Again, it's a great great time to be here and to be a part of the church. God is just doing so many great things, and you're going to hear a lot about that over the next couple of weeks in this series. But as you've kind of heard uh, Pastor Brian and Malcolm talking about with small groups and growth track, that, that's, that's really the next couple steps. If you're here today and you say, man, I really like this church. It feels like home. Uh, I, like, I like the diversity. I like all these different things. And that's kind of step two for you is either going to be growth track or small groups. But I want to take just a second and I want to kind of give you the four things that victory is about. We, we are about four things, and everything we do filters into these four things. And here what they, here's what they are. Growing, guiding, giving, and going, okay? Growing, guiding, giving, and going. We recently rebranded this as we came into the new year, and we celebrated our one-year birthday. And so this is what we do. We're all about growing closer to God and diversity. We're all about guiding people to freedom and family and discipleship, giving and our gifts and our talents and our ties and our purpose, and then going and making a difference in not just our church, but in our community, and then, of course, in the world. And so everything we're about, everything that we do is going to fall into one of these four categories. And, and we used to call it like this, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. And you're going to hear me say this a little bit later. It's all about moving you to the next one. Every one of us are somewhere in this right here in our life. We either need to know God, or we know God and we need to find freedom. Or we know God and we found freedom and now we need to discover our purpose and find out what we're doing and how to use it. And then lastly, we need to make a difference. And so if you're in here, this is what we want you to be a part of. And I want to take just a second and highlight, spotlight one of them, which is our guiding uh, value statement. And that's the small groups. And so you've heard them talk about it last week. Uh, just a great, great turnout. We actually had one group launch Wednesday night. My wife is teaching an empowering women small group, and that launch, they just had a great time at that meeting. And then we've got others that are getting ready to start. And so we really want to encourage you to go. There are groups for every person. Listen to me. If you know nothing about the Bible and you know nothing about church and you know nothing about God, there's a group for you. If you've been in church since you were a baby and you were born on the pew and you think you know every, every Hebrew and Greek analysis... There's a group for you. There, there's, we've got them all the way from Bible studies. There's a group that's studying the book of Ephesians all the way to a group that it's kind of brand new to us, and it's called Victory Groups. And it's a 10-week study for people who say, hey, I'm trying to find real freedom in God. This whole Jesus sets us free and we're free indeed, I want to know what that's about. And it doesn't really matter where you are in your life, but we're all fighting something and we're all dealing with something. And this group is for you. It doesn't matter. Every, do me a favor. Look at the person beside you and say, there's a group for you. Now look at the person that you don't like as much on the other side of you and say, there's even a group for you. You know what I mean? Like, there's even a group for you. And so it's everybody. So do yourself a favor. Listen, the, all the leaders will be out there today. Go out, shake a hand, ask them a question. Some are on Wednesday nights. Some are on Saturday nights. Some are on Sunday nights. It's just, it's insane. Young adults, youth, it's just, it's all across the board. And so it literally does not matter. We just believe in guiding people to freedom, guiding people to relationship, guiding people to family. And that's how it happens. Amen? You ready for the word? Hey, if you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. If you don't have a paper Bible, don't worry. You can look it up on your phone. You can follow along with me on the verses behind me. And as Malcolm said, all of the information is on the app, and so you can follow along with that. 1 Samuel chapter 16 is where we're going to land. We, as uh, Pastor Brian said, we're launching a brand new series today called More. 
It's called more to lead us all the way up to Easter. And I just believe that God has more for us. If you get around me for long enough, you're going to realize that I don't believe that God lets us stand still. I believe that every season of our life, God has something more for us. God has something more for your marriage. God has something more for your family. God has something more for your finances, for your job, for your purpose, for your talent, for your gifting. God has more. Ephesians 3.20 says, for now, is the, now to the one who is able to do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. And we believe that's the word God's spoken over our church for 2019. And we have these really cute bracelets. I thought about this. If you, if you come since we gave these out and you want one, if you go by that tent, we've got them. We can give you one. But we just believe more is the word for us in 2019. And I just thought it was very um, accurate, per se, to, to follow along through this series with the life of David. Because I don't think there was anybody who was marked for more than David. You follow someone who starts off very insignificant, very irrelevant, and before you know it, we're calling him a man after God's own heart, the great King David. But what happened, the turning point in his life, listen to me, the turning point in his life was the moment he recognized he was marked for more. Didn't make him any better than anybody else, but once he realized he was marked for more. And I think what's going to do a turning point in our lives is when we recognize that we are marked for more. Amen? So we'll start reading chapter 16, verse 6. Before we read, let me give you a really quick context. Um, so at the current time, Saul is the king. So Saul is ruling, ruling, and then Saul starts to kind of distance himself from God. Saul, S-A-U-L, starts to distance himself from God, and God says, I need a new king. We need somebody who, who's got my heart to be in leadership. So he sends a prophet by the name of Samuel to go and anoint a new king. And he sends Samuel. Samuel has no idea who he's going to anoint. But he sends him to a place called Bethlehem to a house of a man named Jesse. Jesse has eight sons. And Samuel shows up with the mission to anoint a new king. Okay? Now we're caught up. Here we go. Verse 6. When they arrived, Samuel and his posse, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Eliab was that one dude you've been looking at since high school who was dark and handsome, you know what I mean, chiseled. You know, he's like, look, and said, surely, surely that's the Lord's anointed. Malcolm, that's you right there. We looked and said, surely that's the Lord's anointed. Look at them. Never mind. Um, but then the Lord said to Samuel, look, <laughs> don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. For the Lord doesn't see things the way you and I see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then Jesse told his son Abimadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. You know, in other words, stretch your stuff, Abimadab. Your name's horrible, but at least show him what you're working with, you know what I mean? And, but Samuel said, this is not the one that the Lord has chosen either. And then he pulled his Ariana Grande and said, thank you, next. And Jesse summoned, sorry, that's the inside joke, yeah, okay, summoned Shemia. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. So Jesse's just bringing all of his sons, one by one by one. And Samuel's like, nope, 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 nope. And in the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. So then Samuel asked, is this all the sons you have? Like, is there anybody else? Is this all we got to work with right here? And then Jesse replies, well, there is still the youngest. I like how he doesn't call him by his name. He calls him by his description. Still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he is out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Samuel said, send for him at once. 
and we will not sit down until he arrives. So Jesse sends for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. It's not me. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil that he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. There's more. David has marked, or David was marked for more. During the Christmas time, we had gone to Memphis to allow my kids to hang out with their grandparents, and we're at my mother and father-in-law, who are here, by the way. Welcome, welcome my mother and father-in-law. They're here. They're in town this week. Um, we went by their house and uh, hung out with them for Christmas, and they're, they're real creative with Christmas presents. They like to hide stuff and all that, and so we start opening up presents, and there was a lot of people there, and it was wild, and it was crazy, and so I'm opening up. I got a gift card, one gift card, two gift cards, and then my next package was this bag of dark chocolate peanut M&Ms. Hallelujah, right? So I put that gift aside, opened the next one. It was a bag of jalapeno cheddar cheese puffs. Like this is, you know, it's a healthy diet is what it is. And so I'm putting all this stuff aside. And then, we, you know, the night continued and we ate dinner. And a couple days later, you know, and then we decided, my wife and I, that we were going to go shopping with the gift cards that we got. And so I walked into my mother-in-law's room just to let her know, hey, we're going to go, you know, take the gift cards you got us and go shopping. And she said, you know, she kind of said, what? And I said, I'm going to take the two gift cards you got me and go spend them. And she goes, Huh? I said, the, the two gift cards you got me, I'm, you know, you and Poppy got me, we're going we're gonna to go spend it. She goes, two? I said, yeah, two. And she goes, there's more. I was like, excuse me? And she said, we got you five gift cards. It's like, well, I didn't see them. And so she puts her stuff down, and we go run in the living room because all the trash from Christmas was still kind of over there in the corner, you know. And we start going through all the presents. And when they had wrapped the peanut M&Ms, they had taped a gift card to the top of the box. And when they had wrapped the cheese puffs, there was a gift card taped to the box. And so I was just throwing those boxes away, hundreds of dollars of gift cards. And I'll never forget her. She looked at me when she said, there's more. And here's what I'm learning. When it comes to God, there's more. But we get so caught up in the business of things that we're not taking the time to realize that God has already purchased, planned, and positioned more for our life. And if we're not careful, we'll just let it get thrown away with everything else and we'll miss out on it because we don't know it's there. And the whole purpose of the next eight weeks is for you to recognize that it's there. Not because of me, not because of this church, but because of God. Because this was God's plan for your life all along was more. My God is not a God of complacency. He doesn't save you so that you can be saved. He saves you so that you can impact the world for his kingdom. There's more to your life. There was more to David's and there's more. He was marked and you're marked. Say, there's more. And as we move forward, we're going to realize that. And I'm going to show you how you and I can both unlock and access that. But before we even get going, there's a couple things you have to learn about more that David learned about more. And here's the first thing. Number one is this, that more is in you even when no one, including you, can see it. There's more in you even though no one around you, including you, can see it. Think about this situation. The prophet Samuel shows up to anoint a new king. 
Jesse hears about it, and he starts getting the house ready. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know how your mom would act when somebody was coming over to visit? You know what I mean? All of a sudden, y'all had to pretend like you kept the house clean. You know, clean the toilet, light a candle. You know what I mean? Just going crazy. Jesse's, like, preparing the house, getting everything ready, and he's getting his sons ready. Go, put on, put on some shoes. You know, take a bath. Wash your ears. Do something. Get out, get out here. And then Jesse walks, or Samuel walks in, and Jesse presents all of his sons. And Here, you know, pick what you want. And he doesn't even invite David to the interview. That's crazy to me that he doesn't see the potential in his own son. God had already marked David. He already knew who it was, but his own family couldn't see it. Because sometimes you can be marked for more and the people who love you the most can't see it. And so you start to think that it's not true, but it is. Listen, Jesse sometimes gets a bad rep. I'm not mad at Jesse. Because David didn't necessarily have, you know, he was cute, I get it, he was cute, but, but he was young, and he was fragile, and he was unex- inexperienced, and so the idea that he's going to come in and just rule is a little, little odd. And so I understand that situation, and here's what God's teaching me. Listen, it's hard to predict someone's potential when all you have to work with is their past and present. I don't usually use sports analogies because I know not everybody's a sports fan, but, but this one is just too good to not use. So anybody in here familiar with the name Steph Curry? Anybody know who Steph Curry is? All right, we got like six of you. It's cool. Um, y'all need, the rest of you need to buy a TV. And so Steph Curry is a basketball player. He's actually being known right now. They call him this, the player that's changed the game. All right, that's what they're calling him. I think he's a Christian. He's definitely a, a great, great guy, great father. And he is revolutionizing the NBA, okay? He was drafted into the NBA from college by the seventh pick by the Golden State Warriors. And I, I can't, he was t- 2009, so he's about 11 years in the league. And I wanted to show you just some of his achievements, okay? Just so far, 11 years into the career, here's some of his achievements. This is not all of them, because I couldn't get all of them on the screen, but this is just some of them. Three-time NBA champion, three-time. Some players, the best players, Penny Hardaway, don't even have a championship. So he's got three NBA championships, two-time NBA Most Valuable Player, six-time NBA All-Star, five-time All-NBA Selection, All-Rookie Team, NBA Scoring. You get down here, he has seven NBA regular and playoff season records. It's insane. Seven Warrior franchise records. How many of you think this guy's probably a pretty good basketball player, right? Safe to say? Well, here's what's interesting about professional sports is when professional teams, football, hockey, basketball, baseball, they will actually send what they call scouts out to go look at potential in future basketball, football players. So when, like, for example, when Steph Curry's in college, they send an NBA scout out to go check out his potential. They said, hey, go look at his past and look at his present And come up with what you think his potential is. Give us an idea of what we can expect so that we'll know if we want to put him on our team or not. All right? So I found the actual scouting report that a scout made for Steph Curry. Now watch this. This This is what he said about Steph Curry. He's not a true point guard. He's out of control sometimes. He has a poor shot selection. This guy has the record for the most NBA threes ever made, and he has poor shot selection. Questionable ability to defend at his position, no lateral quickness, no versatility to defend at multiple positions, average athleticism, I wish I was his kind of average, you know what I'm saying? Average size, average wingspan, frail frame, this dude sounds like David, relies too heavily on the outside shot. Them three NBA championships weren't relying too heavily on that outside shot. 
overall prediction. You ready? Here was this guy's overall scouting. What, what, if we're going to draft him, what position are we going to put him? You are going to put him as a backup fringe starter. Do you agree with me that the guy missed it a little bit? Just a, just a little bit, right? Just, he, he looked at his past, and he looked at his present, and he misreported his future. There's a really good chance that somebody in your life, between now and when you were born, looked at your past and looked at your present, and they tried to predict your potential. And I'm here to let you know they misreported your future. They were wrong. I get that it makes sense. He is small. <laughs> he is fragile. I, I get that it makes sense. It's just wrong. You know what I mean? It, 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 it's understandable by what I see, but God said, understand, I don't, I don't judge people by outward appearance. I judge them by the, the inner. So, so understanding the miss here. Listen, it may, I, when somebody starts casting a less vision over your life, I get that you'll say, man, it, it makes sense. I don't have the best education. It makes sense. I don't make the most money. It makes sense. I'm on my second marriage. Like, it makes sense. I get it. I understand that it makes sense, but it's just wrong. Okay? It's just wrong because you can never predict someone's potential off of their past and present. If I'm ever going to have somebody who gets to decide my potential, I want it to be someone who can see my future. You know what I mean? Don't judge me by my past and present. I'm understanding that stuff happens, and I understand that I've made mistakes. But I came to tell you something, and here's what I came to tell you. God sees potential in you, and he has more for you. It doesn't matter about your past, and it doesn't even matter about your present. Well, you don't know. On the way here, I cussed my kids out three times, and I hit them. I do understand <laughs> Believe me, I, I've looked at trees before and thought about running head on to them too on the way here. Like, I get it. So it doesn't even matter about your present because God sees the heart. And the catch about David was although he was a kid, he was a king at heart. And listen to me, although you see yourself as all these different things, you're an heir at heart. God sees the heart and there's potential and there's purpose and you just need to realize it. One of my favorite moments in this story is, is you know, I mean, here, watch this. If you... If you're in here and you're like, well, my mom and dad said, and they are, they, they're, they're great with potential. And they, they told me this, and I need to, hey, listen, even Samuel was poor at potential, right? He thought it was Eliab right when he walked in the door. He walked in the door, looked at him, and was like, that's got to be him. And he was wrong. People will misjudge potential. It's just going to happen. So, but, but here's this moment I love. So Samuel goes, okay, you know, it ain't none of these dudes. Is there somebody else? Jesse says, yes, there's one person. He's my, the youngest. He's out with the sheep and the goat. And Samuel says, all right, go get him. And here's my thought. Here's how I think that would have gone had I been there. Is that, you know, he'd say, go get him. And then Jesse would turn around and said, well, let's eat. You know, because you know, my, my employee's got to go run down to the sheep and goat and get David and probably convince David and got to come all the way back. So let's go ahead and eat. And Samuel says this. He says, you go get him. Watch this. Go get him. And we will not sit down and eat until he arrives. And when I read that this week, I was like, God, why? Why is that significant? Like, why, why was Samuel so convinced that, hey, while you're getting David, we're going to stay right here and be focused? What would be the reason? And here's what I felt God tell me. Here's what, because Samuel knew he had missed it once, right? 
He also knew that God had anointed this man king. So whoever they were about to go get, because he was the last kid, he had to be king. And so he also knew that his family didn't see any potential in him and didn't even invite him to the party. So here's what I think Samuel said. I want to be looking at the door because when that boy walks in the door, I want to see what God sees. That's what I think his mindset was. And I have been praying this since the day we launched the church. I want to see in you what God sees. You know what I mean? I, when I, look, I, I, wanna, I don't care where you've been. I don't, care, I don't care what you're doing. I want to see in you what God sees. That's my prayer for me. Here's my prayer for you, that you see what God sees. And when you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and you look a hot mess. See what God sees. When everybody's reminding you of all your mistakes and all your failures and all your could and your shortcomings and all this, hey, see what God sees. It's not about your past and present. It's about the potential of your future. Amen? So we got to understand before we even get going, because you will disqualify yourself before I even start this series. You will say, yeah, 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 there's more for their life, but there's not more for my life. There's more for their marriage, but my marriage is done. There's more for their finances, but I got dead up to my eyeballs. Listen to me. Don't disqualify yourself before this starts, because there's more in you, even though nobody, including yourself, can see it. Here's the second thing. More is not a result of new position. It's a result of new perspective. Okay? We have a problem where when we think more, we automatically think new position. But that's not what it is. Let me give you an example. When David gets anointed king, he doesn't go straight to the palace. He goes back to the pasture. I'll give you scriptural evidence. 1 Samuel 16, same chapter in verse 19, uh, the king, Saul, sends to get David. And watch this. The Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who is with the sheep. Not who is next door in the palace, but who is with the sheep. So watch this. David's potential has been established, but his position hasn't changed. Here's what that tells me. That potential is not determined by position. Matter of fact, David was king without the palace. You can be full of potential and in the same old position. Because, hear me, potential is not wrapped around position. It's wrapped around purpose. And when you understand that potential is wrapped around purpose, you're not focused on what position you're in to begin with because you understand that God has you where he has you for a reason. First time I read this, I thought, man, I couldn't have been David. Because here was, you know, y'all have been here long enough to know, I think very practical about Scripture. So here's how I thought about that. That means I was the drive through employee at Wendy's. I went home, found out I am now king, and then I went back to work at Wendy's. You know, I'm like, I'm not putting ketchup on that burger. I'm the king. You know what I mean? You just imagine that conversation. Someone's like, hey, can you grab them fries? Who are you talking to? I'm King Troy. No, I'm, no it's not going to happen. Like, I just couldn't have been David, right? I, I, I probably could have gone back to the pasture because I would have had to, but I would have gone very angry and just complaining the whole way. I mean, you're going to make me you know, kicking rocks, make me go back to pasture. He, he anoints you king. He didn't anoint you king. anointed me king. You're going to send me to the pasture. Eliab, he, you, you, he thought it was you, Eliab, and even you. You look all good. Nah. Not even, I would have I, I got, got to the pasture. Bible says that David played, is it the lyre, the lyre, liar, 
awkward. Um, we'll call it a harp for the sake of my musical education. He plays the harp, so he's out there in the pasture. I'd have been out there playing, but I'd have been mad. You know what I mean? Either playing it real angry, like, or I'd have written certain songs. Like, I was thinking about this. This is the song I would have written. I'd have been like, Mama just met a man. He put some oil on my head, said I'd replace Saul when he's dead. Mama, now they call me king, but in this field with sheep is where I play. I just started breaking stuff and kicking sheep over in the head, bossing sheep around. Hey, goat, worship me. Just angry, you know what I mean? Because I know I've got this, this potential, but I'm in the same old position. And this is where we struggle as children of God, because we connect the, the level of our potential with the level of our position. And if you follow the Bible at all, the very fact that our Savior came as a servant not to be served, but to serve, we would understand that potential is never decided by position. And so I was like, how did David do it? How did he, how did he stay in the same position? with a new perspective. Because I've always taught that if you want a new perspective, you need a new position, which I, I think there's biblical truth to that, right? For example, you guys are seeing me from a perspective. It's not a flattering one, but there's one. And if you got a new position, so if you came up on stage, you would see me from a new perspective. So that, there's some truth to that. But that's not what happened to David. David was in the same position, but with a different perspective. And I started asking God, how does that happen? Come on, how does that happen? And he reminded me of this story. So my dad lives in Panama City, Florida. Hi, Dad. And he, when we, 12, 15 years ago, we started visiting Panama City in the summers, and he's got friends down there. And so one time we rented a condo, okay? And we had this porch in the condo that was on beachside facing the ocean. And so we get there, and I've never seen anything like it. It was like David in the palace. I was like, look at these walls. You know what I mean? They got beds. Oh, my God. There's a doorknob. I mean, it was incredible. And so I'm in the, in the condo just acting crazy. And my dad's like, hey, Troy, come here, come here, come here. You got to see these dolphins. And so I come out to the, to the patio thing. I love dolphins, and I love Miami dolphins and anything dolphins. And so I come out, and I'm like, where, where, where are they at, Dad? And he's like, see them right there? And I'm like, No. First of all, I'm like 12 years old, okay? So I see from like here to Tim. That's as far as it can go. And I, I, don't, I don't see it. I, I, I'm, he's like, look, you know, I'm trying to look over little bars and all that. I'm like, I don't see it. I don't see it. And so he goes, all right, hold on. And he goes into the condo, and he comes back out with a pair of these. And he hands these to me. And he goes, all right. And so he gets them to me, and I look through. And if y'all, in case you didn't, you know, you haven't been awake for the past 20 years, these are binoculars. And so I, I put them to my eyes, and I could see the dolphins. And all of a sudden, the Lord reminded me of this. You're in the same position, but with a different perspective. My position didn't change, but now all of a sudden, I can see better. Why? Because there is a lens that magnifies. So in other words, there's a vision of more. And when I'm given a vision of more, when I believe that there's more in my life than what I have, I can be in the same position and I can have a different perspective. 
I can go to the same job, but I can see me there for a different purpose. I can hang with the same people, but I can see me there for a different purpose. I can be in the same state and in the same place, but I'm there for a different purpose because I have a lens of more. And so I'm in the same position, but I've got a new perspective. And then here's what's really interesting about binoculars, if, in case you didn't know this, is if you can actually turn them around, which is really weird. I don't, I've yet to really understand what the purpose of this is because they never line up to your eyeballs, right? So you're always looking through one. Like, I feel like I'm, you know, Jack Bauer. And, but when you do this, everything gets what? Smaller. So if I'm looking through a lens of more, then I can be in the same position and, hey, Hunter, and things are, things are greater. My, my perspective is new. But if I'm looking through a lens of less, then I can be in the same position and I can see things smaller. Some of you have been raised with a lens of less. God didn't create you to do anything. You're never going to amount to anything. You failed at that. You failed at this. And so you've been in the same position, but your vision keeps getting less and less and less. I'm here to tell you over the next eight weeks that you need to turn it around. Just turn it around and understand that God has more for your life. And when you start to get that kind of perspective over your life, it doesn't matter what position you're in. You can be in the same position with a new perspective. Well, how do I do that, Troy? How do I get a new perspective? How do I get this lens of more that you speak of, this magnifying lens, which sounds really stupid? How, do I, how, does, that, how does that at any point get into my life? Well, there's one thing that happened to David, if you caught it, once Samuel anointed him, it said the Spirit of God was then with David for the rest of his days. So here's what I'm beginning to understand, is that it's the Spirit of God that gives us a new perspective in the same position. So when you have a relationship with God, you can be in your same position with a new perspective. If you're in this place and you don't have a relationship with God, it's going to be really hard for you to turn it around without God. I'm not saying you can't do it. People will, will try to attempt it. But at the end of the day, in order for you to fully see your potential, for you to fully be able to step into the more that God has for your life, you need a relationship with God. Because the moment you have that relationship, the Spirit of God comes on you. And he's with you to the end of your days. God has more for you. God has more for your marriage. God has more for your children. God has more for the job that you currently work out, work at. God has more for your finances. God has more for the talent and the skill that he gave you. God has more impact. God has more for your lost children. God has more for your lost parents. God has more for everything in your life. But you need to allow the Spirit of God to turn it around so that you see it as opposed to denying it. Because once you see it, it's not about position. It's about purpose. And so again... I'm in this mindset of David getting this new perspective and being in the same position. I'm going to go off track for a second just because I want to. Um, anybody in here ever thought, I really thought this was my year? I really thought this was going to happen, but I'm still in this place. You ever thought that? I'm glad that some of you are talking to me so I don't feel like I'm just a bit by myself. 
I believe God's called me for more, and I believe he's called you for more. I believe he's called our church for more. But there's going to be moments in our life where we evaluate the position we're in, and if we're not careful, we'll begin to doubt the potential that God said he has for us because of the position. And this, for you, watch, listen, where David is right now is exactly where you are right now. Let me explain. David has been told he's marked for more. He hasn't seen any evidence of it, right? Because that's what you want. You're like, hey, can I walk out and have like a brand new car? Can that be like evidence that I was marked for more? David doesn't get any evidence. He just gets, I didn't even put oil on your head. That's what I should have done. Should have been out there with a box of Crisco, bottle, whatever it is, when y'all walking in just slapping y'all on the foreheads, right? So y'all didn't even have to go through that. But he's promised more. He's in the same position, but he has a new perspective. So he's sitting here with potential and new perspective. If you have listened to me for the past 20 minutes, you're sitting here with potential and a new perspective. Watch this. But this is the most pivotal moment of David's life when it comes to him grasping more. Let me explain. Most people think that the most pivotal moment of David's life was when he fought Goliath. Oh, man. David was just David until he stepped up and fought Goliath. And when he killed the giant, that's when he went from little shepherd boy David to mighty king David. And that was the moment. And we're going to talk a lot about that next week, and it's going to be powerful. But that wasn't the moment. I believe it with all of my heart. That was not the pivotal moment that springboarded David into more. I think that was evidence that God had more on his life. You're going to fight some giants, and you're going to beat them. And next week, I'm going to tell you how. But in order for you to do that, or, or when you do that, it's just going to be the evidence that God has more on your life. This moment for David was the moment that proved that he believed there was more on his life. Watch this. David's in the pasture. He's been anointed king. And he's just waiting on his time. Dun, 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 dun. I won't sing that again, don't worry. Dun, 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 dun. I'm just a poor boy, my God loves me. He's just a poor boy from a poor family, but he's the king and he rules the city. Yeah. I'm in the wrong business. Uh, and all of a sudden, here comes this caravan of people. Y'all know how the president travels when he pulls up? i never seen him, but when he pulls up, you know, all these SUVs, that's how they rolled. Except it was like horses and carriages and stuff like that. And so they're coming all through. So David sees it. And here's what I think happened. David's like, oh, here they come. Your boy's moving on up to the east side, to a deluxe palace. And Excited. Doors swing open. People get out. They're laying down red carpet in dirt. David's sitting here just waiting like, here they come. Saul's right hand comes up. Are you David who plays the liar? David's like, yeah, it's me. And he goes, the king wants your presence in the palace. And David's like, here it is. I knew it was coming. Moving on up is what I'm for. I'm the king. Move out the way. What am I going for? Am I going to uh, be his right hand so that he knows I'm taking over his place? What am I there for? Am I there to kind of be like an understudy so that when he's ready, am I going there to kind of be like the co King, is that how, what, why am I going there? And he said, well, actually, the king would like you to come to be his own personal noise machine. Excuse me? 
See, yeah, see, the king is having a really hard time sleeping right now. This is in the Bible because he's being tormented by spirits. He's having a really hard time sleeping. And he would like someone who can play the harp or the lyre real beautifully to come and play for him at night so that he can go to sleep. I'm sorry, say that again. Do you know who I am? Do you know I have been anointed king? And you want me to come play for the current king? You want me to enter into the palace for something other than my purpose? I don't understand the situation. But instead of all of that happening, I, I wanted to show you in the scripture. First Samuel chapter 16. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse in Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. David, watch this. David came to Saul and entered his service. All that little dialogue I just gave you didn't actually happen. David wasn't like, hey, man, who you, who, do you know who I am? David stood up, saluted, and executed. Because I believe that, last but not least, your more is waiting on you to move. He went from setting still to moving. Where, where are we going? What's, what's next? You know what's interesting about his move? Number one, it took a lot of humility right? Where God's going to ask you to move so that you can get more is going to take a lot of humility. Second, it was really uncomfortable. This, this had become a really comfortable place for David. He knew how to operate here. And when God calls you to move so that you can get more, you can guarantee it's going to be uncomfortable. Just a couple months ago, or actually a month ago, we celebrated this church being one year old. And man, we got up here and we celebrated. Remember this? We celebrated a lot of stuff from 80 plus salvations and we celebrated 20 something people being baptized and we celebrated over 100 people on the dream team and we celebrated $50,000 that we put in savings and we just celebrated and celebrated oh god's so great we celebrated every goliath that we killed woo goliath went down we cut his head off woo 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 you know what we never celebrated we never celebrated the moment people decided to move. Because we're not celebrating any of that if someone didn't decide to move. And I believe this some more. I was thinking about you, bro. Thinking about Charlie. And uh, she, she'll be like, I'm trying to think of my kids, when my kids actually do an intelligent conversation. Uh, we'll go with nine. Um, you're talking to her at nine, and she's like, Daddy, tell, tell me the stories, Daddy. And you're like, oh, man, there was this one family that came in. They had never been to church together. They had been married for years, but they had never been to church together. And they came into church, and they started going to church together, and they started serving together. And there was this other family that came in, and, and they had been from broken relationships, and they had come in together. And, and one of the girls, her heart, the only thing in her heart was to serve with, a, with her husband, and God kind of moved them into that direction, and, and now they're serving together. And there was this person that got saved, and there was this family that got baptized, and there was this, and he was just telling all these stories, and Charlie's like, Daddy, tell me again. Tell me, tell me a story about that family. Tell me a story about that family. Tell me a story about that family. But I think it'll be important that you tell her about the decision y'all made to move. Because that's always the beginning of more. More is always linked to you moving. 
We want more from God without moving. I want to be a part of a move of God, right? How many times have I heard that mess? Like God's somewhere setting steel. I want to be a part of a move of God. And God's saying, you would be if you'd move. But when you just sit there, you miss out on, could you imagine how stupid I would have looked if my mother-in-law would have been like, there's three more gift cards somewhere, and I'd have been like, really? Oh, no. <laughs> She'd be like, what, what are you doing? Ah, I'm believing there's more. <laughs> yeah. There's more for me, right? Yeah. Woo! <sighs> what, Troy? Hey, bud, what you doing? Believing there's more. Okay. But if you'll turn it around and move, you'll actually be able to find it, possess it, and start operating in it. And I just believe this for you, and I believe it for me. The whole purpose of our church is to move you just one step. What does that mean? I'm here to explain. If you're in here today and you don't know God, we want to move you by growing to know God. just want you to know God. Because when that Spirit of God comes on you, you'll be blessed to the end of your days. If you know God, we want to move you, we want to guide you to freedom. We want you to get into a small group. We want you to get a victory. We want you to find freedom. We don't want you to just be someone who claims Christianity but constantly lives being attacked every day. We want you to find freedom. If you found freedom, then we, we want you to discover your purpose. We want you to start giving, start serving, start living through the gifts and talents that God's given you. And if you're doing all that, we want you to make a difference. We want you to start being involved in lives being changed. We're moving you from one step to another. Hear me. God is calling you to move. And I... All I'm here today to tell you is get ready because over the next seven weeks, I'm going to ask you to move. Now, I once asked 18 people to move cities. So be thankful I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just asking you to move where God has you to where God wants you. And I'm going to share this. I promise I'll be done. I, I was thinking this through because out of... Out of majority of the people who come to church right now, God's been so good. Everybody who comes, comes in and says, I want to be a part of this. And they join the dream team. And so I was thinking, I'm like, all right, we're, going, we're moving people, right? We're moving people. We're moving people. We're moving people. Man, it's great. And then I got here and I thought, well, what about the 114 people who are here? They're, they're, they're on the dream team. They're making a difference. They're impacting the community. They're changing lives. They're, are they done moving? And here's what I felt the Spirit of God tell me. So for every person here who you're on the dream team, if you're watching online because you're serving the V Kids, listen to me right here. Here's what God told me. When you get here and you start making a difference, it makes you know God better. And when you know God better, it makes you find areas you still need freedom from. And when you get freedom from those areas, it helps you discover a new purpose because God has used what you used to be in bondage of to now impact lives. And now you start making a new difference. And I've learned that God never lets us stop moving. It's constant moving, moving. And here's why. Because God never, never stops giving more. There's never a point where you've arrived. Paul said, I'm going, not yet to get it. I'm not looking at what's behind me, but I haven't yet got it because there's more. Do you believe it? 
man, I believe it for you. And I believe it for me, and I believe it for our church. I believe it for Smyrna, and I believe it for Rutherford County. But before we can ever embrace it, y'all, we got to be ready to move. we got to be ready for whatever God's calling us to do. And I promise you, if you'll give me next week, I'm going to give you exactly how to do that. Because David goes from that moment to facing Goliath. And here's what I know. If I know anything about me and you, here's what I know. The moment you start thinking about more, the biggest giant in your life pops up. I know there's more of my life, but I'm addicted to pornography. Boom, giant. I know there's more in my life, but me and my husband can't work. Boom. I know there's more in my life, but I've been in debt. Boom. Biggest giant stands up. And so next week, we're going to talk about what do you do now that you know you're called for more, but there's a giant in your way. I'll tell you all, we're going somewhere. I know this is a very long introduction to a series, but we're going somewhere. And if you'll commit to me for the next seven weeks, by the time it's over, you will have unlocked the more that God has for your life. Amen? Can I pray over you this morning? Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. And God, I thank you that we don't have to be impressive on the outside. And as Pastor Brian said earlier, we don't have to have our ducks in a row. God, to be able to receive the promises that you have for our lives. And every person that's in this place this morning, I pray that they would understand that you have more for their life. Even if they're saying, man, my life's great right now. Guess what? There's more. And if you're saying my life's horrible right now, there's more. God has more for you. Lord, I thank you that that's who you are. I thank you that you're not about rules and regulations, but you're about relationship. And the more we get to know you, God, the more benefits that come with that. And so I pray over everybody right now, every person in this room, I pray over them. I pray that first they would recognize that they have been marked for more. I pray that when they look in the mirror today, they ask, God, let me see what you see. Secondly, I pray right now that a new perspective over their life, that they would quit looking at their position and they would start looking for their purpose. That they would find the purpose for why you have them where you have them. And then last, I pray that you would start to move on their heart about the move that you're calling for them to make. Whatever that might look like. Something that's going to be uncomfortable. Something that's going to take some humility. But God, if we continue to do the same old things, we just get the same old results. But God, when we do something new, we experience more. Help us, I pray. Lord, Ephesians 3.20 says that now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than I could ever ask or imagine. Hear my heart. If you're in here right now, listen to me. You need to start asking yourself, if my God was really a God who could do immeasurably more than I could ever ask or imagine, what would I do? ask praying for my marriage I'm praying for my children I'm believing for a a raise, I'm believing for my job I'm believing for the impact of a friend, I'm believing for my community I'm believing for my church to him who is able to do immeasurably more I am marked for more, I'm going to make you do one thing and then I'm, I'm walking off stage Eyes closed. Don't don't pay attention to anybody else. 
I, I just want you for the very first time to proclaim more on your life. And I just want you to say that I'm going to count to three and I want you to say this. I'm marked for more. If you believe it, if you don't believe it, you don't have to say it. But I just think it would be cool for you to officially say it to yourself. I'm marked for more. Every one of you that you've ever been told that you never amount to anything, that you never make an impact, that you're the worst out of, the, out of the, all the kids in the family, you know, look, look at your marriage and look at your job, you're, you're just hard. All those things that have been spoken over your life negatively, you're about to speak the word of God over that. I'm marked for more. The count of three. One, two, three. I'm marked for more. Lord, sow that on our hearts, I pray. Speak to our hearts, I pray that that would be affirmed and confirmed in our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said...